Hello and welcome to the Scott Sportscast. I am your host, Alex A. Scott. Today we have a very, very special episode for you, and it's one that I've been looking forward to it for a long time. Now, today we have Alex and an athlete, where we take on an interview with former athletes, coaches from the past to present of all sports. So today, I have a very special guest for all of you, my old high school wrestling coach, Coach Russell Sugars. How are you doing today? Doing great, Alex. Great to be here. Awesome. Happy to have you here. So how about you give us a little bit of a rundown of what you're up to these days? Oh, these days, I'm uh, still teaching. As you know, I'm teaching elementary school now. I teach elementary physical education. And I coach a, a local high school and middle school wrestling team uh, in the area still. Not a seaside anymore, over the hill in Carmel. Awesome, awesome. How do you like it over there compared? I mean, it's different. It's definitely different. I do, uh, I do like, you know, I, I made a choice a few years ago to, to uh, focus more on teaching than coaching. And, uh, you know, teaching elementary school is just, it's a kick. You know, it's a blast. You know, little kids are involved. And, uh, it's, you know, the big stress is who's the line leader now as opposed to breaking up fights in the locker room and things like that. Uh, but, you know, and I still, you know, I went back to a program that, that needed a coach and filled in. And that's, that's what happens with wrestling. Once you, once you get back into it, you can't leave it. You know, they just oh, pulls yeah. you right back in. You know? How, how <laughs> can it not? It's just one of the purest art forms out there. People think art is only just music or poetry, books. No, wrestling and other martial arts where you're actually using your body is in its own way of being an art form. So people need to remember that it takes skill, practice, and determination to get good at anything you want to do. So, so compared to Carmel, we had a lot of fights in our locker rooms. <laughs> I know uh, we had a rowdy bunch there at, at Seaside High. Yeah, I mean, but you know, I think kids, I think that's more uh, like kids don't fight like they used to anymore. I mean, I, I, which is, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a good thing. It shouldn't happen in school, but certain, certain folks have that streak in them. You, I think you're one of those kids that just, some people like to mix it up and, you know, you know, on a Friday night, there's, you know, you're going to go out and have a good time. And one of those ways to have a good time is get in trouble in the parking lot, you know, and, uh, but I mean, it's it's important that you find a, a good avenue to do that, you know, because you can't get in any kind of law trouble or anything. And so that's why it's important to have martial arts and uh, MMA and wrestling and things too, because uh, certain people are just wired that way to want to, you know, mix it up, knuckle up. Just like certain people like to run fast, certain people want to paint. What you, you you have things you're drawn to do, and you really can't stifle those urges, but you do have to find the right avenue to express them. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, See, the, the problem with me was that I had a lot of stuff outside of wrestling. I, I went legally blind. My parents were divorced. I was the smallest 
tiniest kid, white kid in a predominantly black and Mexican school. So I had a lot of, lot of little bullies and, you know, my own little angers to work out. So having someone like you who had the patience to deal with a kid like me who isn't used to having that kind of structure because the household was so chaotic is it's invaluable you can't you can't replace that easily um you know it's it's why i do it alex and i I, someone asked me once why do you coach and the the best way i could describe is i can't find a better way to turn boys into men you know it's a vehicle and it's a it's a vehicle because you you go through so many challenges that it's a, it's, it mimics life better than anything. You have to pick yourself up. You have to dust yourself off. You have to get through it. And, you know, you're out there by yourself. And uh, sooner or later, it's going to come down to what kind of what kind of man are you? And, you know, what challenges you've gone through to get there? You know, and wrestling, you know, is, is, it's a, as a young person growing up and, find, you know, or finding something like that, it's, it just it can give you a, a, a roadmap. You know, and as I, as a coach now, that's I, how I laid out the kids. I'm like, I can give you a roadmap. I can give you a guide to be good or, but you've got to put the work in. And, and, and until they do, and it's, it's a, for so many kids that, that work is the expression, you know, and, um, you know, that release in that, that safe space for lack of a better term, you know? So, uh, you know, I hope it touch well, Alex. <laughs> you seem to be oh. doing all right. I mean, hey, I made it all the way to a uh, semi-professional fighter before I couldn't get medically cleared no more. So wow. I guess those parking lot days were uh, <laughs> well, pretty fight, cool. fighting's hard on the body. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's real hard on the body. You know, it's, it's, it's tough to do it for a long time. Uh, it, you know, sports isn't a career. You know, they're, they're an opportunity. You, it Absolutely. gives you a platform to grow yourself and your image. To where you can move on to bigger and better things because you have opened those opportunities for yourself but yeah. if it was a sport you'd be able or if it was a career you'd be able to do it till you were 70 years old <laughs> so that's the main difference your body got limits you get you're involved in your sport in different ways you know and uh i mean wrestling gave me a, a whole lot i was lucky enough to find it pretty early in life and uh it just didn't like i, I just happened to find it and I think one thing I tell the little kids now when I'm coaching them is like, you know, I gained all my superpowers from wrestling. I learned out of my flips and twists and turns and all my body control and strength and just grit and determination. It came from wrestling. It came from just, and when I say it came from wrestling, it came from all the experiences that I had during that time. That time when I had got my face ground in the mat and had to pick myself up. You know, the time I was crying in the corner because I lost a big match. And how you pick yourself up and dust you up. And that makes you so strong and, and so tough. And just able to accomplish anything you want to do, you know, after, you know, a season of wrestling or two and you just, because, Hey, everything else is easy now. As Dan Gable says. Yeah. 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 Might be for Dan Gable, but for the rest of us, we got to work at it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, that was, that's one of his uh, famous wrestling says. Is it, as it goes, like, uh, once you've wrestled, everything else in life is easy. Uh, and to me, it honestly feels that way because back in school, I wasn't a good student. You know, I, I had a lot of distractions and I had a lot of other things that I'd rather do. I had a job. Um, I had all these things going on. And for some reason, I forgot about school. It wasn't until I couldn't get medically cleared to compete anymore 
that because of my legal blindness that they told that I had to come up with a whole new path, a whole new, whole new persona, you know, if, mm -hmm. if well, yeah, you, oh, so you had to find, so you found, had to find something else and found something, uh, um, you know, and it's like, that's, I guess that's what teaching and coaching does for me. It's, it's a way I could continue to, to give back to a sport that gave me so much and share um, what I learned and, and hope for lack of a veteran, pass it on, you know, yeah. and give back, you know, and, you know, and yeah, and, and you know, and, and you know, I've met some uh, some coaches in wrestling, and one there was a, a gentleman. He was at all the freestyle tournaments, and he just was there, always working the scores tables and things like that. And he says, you know, I can't not do this sport, and I can't not give everything to it because this is the only thing that kept me from the dark side. So I figure me being here and doing this is just making sure some other kid isn't going to fall to the dark side. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's awesome. You know, and that's, yeah. that's all we can all do is give a little back, you know, cause that easily could have been me. I mean, yeah. mm -hmm. a couple, couple turns away from, from the wrong path until I had people such as yourself and coach K and coach Avila and all these people who gave me, you know, the advice that I didn't want to hear, but I needed to hear. Well, it's different. It, Sometimes it takes longer for it to sink in, you know. Oh, yeah. I, I I say these same things, Alex. There's people that try to teach me lessons, and thinking about some lessons is if until you're ready to learn it, it doesn't matter, you know. And exactly. you hope one day a nugget, you know. I'm sure there's some nuggets out there that I've thrown that that don't hit home, and then one day, that's what he was talking about, you know. Because hey, my coaches they do the same thing to me, and I'm like, that's okay. Now I get it, you know. Lesson learned, you know. <laughs> You know, Man, I was a jerk. <laughs> you know which one of your sayings still stick with me today. Me and George use it all the time. We go, water's from Monterey. Do you think they're over there in Monterey wrestling room drinking water? Because <laughs> we were all crying <laughs> about a water break. And so I say it to people and they have no idea what it means. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot. It's just such a good saying. It's because do you think that the people that you're competing against or the people that you uh, whether it be a job, whether it be for a grade, whether whatever it is, do you think that they're taking it easy? And if not, then why would you take it easy? And if they are taking it easy, then you should have no problem if you put in all your time and dedication to it. Mm -hmm. Well, that, that leads me into my next question. So you what was it specifically that got you into wrestling? What made you go to tryouts that day? You know, it's uh, it's um, funny you answer that. I found it so I found it at seven, and I'll admit, I uh, I didn't know. I, I did it because a friend did it. You know, at first I'm like, my, but I also I was a little kid, and I just I kept doing it. You know, and then I I I wasn't that successful. wasn't like a phenom or anything, but I. I had one pin that, that first year and, but it was like, it was like any kind of youth sport, like, Oh, you feel good about it. You know, most of those tournaments you're playing around on the bleachers and Hey, you got to wrestle and go. But, um, as I've gotten older, I, I've thought a lot about that question. Like, why did I keep doing this? And why, why did I wrestle? When, why didn't I play basketball and play football? You know, I was a smaller kid. And, um, that's one thing, you know, it's just, but, 
I, I think I, one reason I gravitate toward is I like to grapple. I like to mix it up and get in there. And the way I describe it now, when I'm sparring or wrestling with someone, my world becomes so small. You know, we talk a lot in education about mindfulness and being focused on the, on, um, you know, being, uh, you know, being mindful and, and being in the present and so forth. And I realized that wrestling did that for me. Cause when you are, you know, sparring or, or you're wrestling someone, you are, your world is so small. It's you and them, and my world is about as big as what I can reach. No, I don't hear anything else. I don't see anything else. And for that moment, I can just focus off and at this. I can say, now, be slick. You know, pulling a slick duck under, or, you know, a nice move, and just, you know, tugging, pulling, feeling them. And that was a big one. I realized it was such a release for me now. Like, I didn't even realize what it was then, but now I, it was the feeling. I couldn't describe it then, but there's what I had to go every day. You know, or I had to, I felt it. It was like, I realized now a lot of it was, it just, it was, it allowed me to turn off a lot of the, um, the outside space. You know, a lot of the outside noise, the static was all gone during wrestling practice. You know, and, um, you know, that's a, and, you know, now as a, as a coach and recruiting and, and, you know, you mentioned your vision before. And as, as I'm hunting kids, a lot of times I look for those physically gifted kids that, that don't see real well because vision is not as important. I mean, as a, as a physical educator, I've learned like, you know, I like baseball, but after 12, my eyes couldn't keep up with baseball. And when people said, did you hit laces or leather? I had no idea what you're talking about. I remember watching you play badminton blind as a bat and just with pure athleticism crushing it. And I'm like, you couldn't, you could see when you tried to see the birdie and you would just whiff badly. But when you just went on your, let your body do what it was naturally wanted to do, you were spot on. Like, I don't know how you did it as a point guard in basketball. I mean, um, say, but it, so typically those kids with poor eye-hand coordination gravitate to sports like wrestling. Um, so sometimes it's just how you're built, you know, and, and, uh, and I, I was the same way. My handwriting was atrocious. I couldn't really do well shooting baskets. And I, I gravitated to running and wrestling. I really think it's because it's where my aptitudes could thrive as well. And didn't realize it until I did it, you know. And then with wrestling also, I liked being the kid at school that was the wrestler because wasn't, there wasn't a lot of wrestlers where I came from. And um, being the kid that, like, did something, I wrestled, what do you do? And I go, oh, whatever. And then, you know, and, and, uh, but I remembered how it, as I got older, I always had an ace up my sleeve and I always knew how to handle myself in a situation in a positive way. You know, I mean, I got in some scuffles but never really got in trouble because I always kept a cool head. And I'll equate a lot of that cool head was being in places where I physically couldn't do anything, but just had to deal with, you know, taking a beating, you know, but to answer your question, I have to say it was like making my world small and just the, the, the good feeling of man, I know most people in this room can't do what I can do, you know, and that's, that's, that's a, that's a big, even now I'm 46 years old and, you know, there's not many 46 year olds that can move like I can still move. You know? Oh Yeah. But, I believe but it. But I'll admit, wrestling the uh, 18-year-olds and the 20-year-olds is catching up to me. <laughs> I bet. It catches up to me oh. huh? every time yeah. I still try to go out there. I'm like, man, these – I couldn't even imagine wrestling for Fresno State right now. <laughs> yeah, well, you yeah, – as you <laughs> get older, you get more wily, you get slicker, you know. And, uh, oh, but, yeah. I mean, I don't know. That's I what brought like you to wrestling. Take time. I, I think whenever you take time off, you get more time – to break down all of the things that you learned and really understand the intricacies 
compared to as you first first learn it you know when you first drive your car you're like okay i know how to steer i know how to move the pedals but do you know how to hug the turn do you know at what what speed does your car start to rattle and so you learn all those fine tune things but but to get to the wrestling making it such a small world exactly that that's how i felt about that in jujitsu it's it, it's it's violent bliss as i like to call it it's, it's because you're in such a tranquil state of mind where you're so zoned in and so focused on only one thing at that moment one person what what your body's doing and what their body's doing and then like you said everything else just melts away and all you're focused on is the moment and with so many distractions in the world it's hard to find just that moment of tranquil you know and in any place you can find that in the world like in your life it's actually everybody needs that that space how they find it and you know i found i find it that way you know and uh, that's what distance when I couldn't wrestle anymore. When I took, when I, I, I ran in college, but it was a, the distance running was a similar uh, feeling where it just tuned out. And, it's, and I realized like what I liked about that was just who can, who can endure the most and can I endure more than you, which is very, you know, the, you know, that wrestling, you know, the, the match situation is a, is a, uh, what's the word is a, um, a dividend of all of the hard work, but the, the hard work is similar. The practices got to be so much fun because I don't know, you, you get to a point you enjoy kicking your own butt, you know, and, and it's oh. like, hey, I can kick my own butts to no one else can, you know, and um, practice you know, I mean, was hard because I wanted match day to be fun. I wanted, I wanted to enjoy it. So I busted my butt and kicked my butt so that nobody else could. Now, I wasn't mm -hmm. always the case, but I prepared as if that was the case. And it worked yeah, out pretty yeah. well for me. I did all right. Yeah, did. Alex, you were, you were, you had some serious natural ability. Your intensity was, was unmatched. And, and especially uh, at know, 12. I, and, you know, as typical, I'm, I'm, you know, you, you, you went on to do quite a few good things. And it was a, it's pretty much how I've kind of had to, um, except wrestling here on the peninsula i mean I, hey alex where's our location for this broadcast just as i refer to like yeah like i talked about car you know and uh, um Fred, if Fred i refer to things central california what's um, that central california so i like as i can refer to as i refer to things uh you know i can refer to like geography kind of like i can i don't know um anyway yeah, we're in california uh, I'm, I'm in fresno yeah. california you're in fresno now okay yeah. Um, yeah i'm here at fresno state right now i'm uh sports marketing major oh nice okay what was i i just totally lost my train of thought there i'm sorry um you were yeah, you, talking about oh you know that what? alex was you were you were uh oh oh yeah okay but um coaching on the peninsula that's why i say because i'm referring to coach but something i had that really affected me about coaching on the peninsula and what i wanted out of coaching when i first started doing it to what i want now that i pretty much had to understand that for any kid in this area to really they had to to blow up there wasn't going to be any wrestling scholarships coming out of out of the peninsula just for lack of just competition and like you know we're not the central valley i mean we've got a few good kids but not as many but i've always felt that all of my if i can get a kid like that with just enough if they've got the, the, the desire to just walk on to a college wrestling room 
because the training will be better. You know, I mean, there's coaches way better than me out there. And if they get into it, if I can teach them enough that they can survive in a wrestling room with that electrician, their learning curve will go so fast because there are many state champions that go to a college room and can't score a point and can't make it. And I think you and a lot of the kids around, it's got to be tough, you know, and you were tough enough to survive in the room that, you know, I believe that's how you, why you shot it. You had, I don't think when you were in high school, we even touched your potential. No, you know, there, you, you know, I think you had a lot more to go and, it, you know, it's just opportunity for lack of a better term. You know, we just didn't have the chance and the time to really, you know, to grow. And that's, and a lot of kids run, unless they really, really buy in, um, you know, I mean, for one, getting your hundred matches, you know, I talk about yeah. new wrestlers all the time. I say it takes a hundred matches before you, uh, you figure this out. You're going to win some, you're going to lose some along the way, but um, it takes, as you were saying about like, um, you know, figuring it out, like driving the car, you know, and find the turns the way uh, someone describes me is it slows down. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you'll win some and lose some, but after about a hundred matches, everything just slows down for you. You know, you're not quite so, you don't have, you, you, you have, it, it's still moving at the same speed, but your brain is processing it quicker is that you yeah. have time to make decisions. You're, and that you're just not in your own decisions. head. Yeah, and it, it takes, uh, like I said, wrestling, it takes 100 matches. And if you're a kid that only wrestles the season, it takes three years to gain those 100 matches. So you're really finding, and, and, and like at Seaside, you guys started as freshmen. It takes a special kid that's willing to take a beating for three years to really have some true accolades and success. I mean, Alex most Lee. kids are like this. Most of the stars that come out for the wrestling team that, they, they are not used to getting beat. And every wrestler learns to get beat first. And if they don't learn to get beat or can, can't accept it, they're not going to make it. And many of those truly physically gifted kids are used to winning since they were, you know, 10 years old. They really don't, unless they grew up with something where they got beat once in a while, have a hard time. Like typically your ball carriers don't make good wrestlers. Um, just, just a different type of kid. You know, they're already a star unless they really want to go do this because they like wrestling, they're not going to leave being a star somewhere else to go try something new unless they like that streak of grappling, you know, and mixing it up. You know? Well, the, the thing is, is there's, there's no money in wrestling, you know, that it's not, it's not one of these sports where you can just go be a millionaire after a couple seasons. Yeah. It, I mean, that's true. Yeah, it's not a big, it's not a, a, I call, I call like sports, like I call them subculture sports. You know, you're not a, yeah, there's a lot of money out there in the big sports, but um, what's the prestige too? You know, you think about like football at a school, like the homecoming usually revolves around the school's football schedule. You know, a lot of the the the, the fest the, the celebration of the school revolves around that. So kids want to play. Part of it, and I don't know about you, Alex, but I I never did it. Something else about maybe what drew me to wrestling is I never did any team sports. Like. I just wasn't drawn to the team feeling. I didn't, I played some baseball, but like I was like being on a team and I tried to make teams out of my individual sports, but definitely like I was a runner and a wrestler. You know, I, so there's something I, I feel like it may have been something I may have missed out on in life of being a part of and learning how to be on those teams. Uh, but you know, Hey, that's, that's as we reflect now. <laughs> yeah. Well, like for me, I, I grew up playing team sports since I was mm -hmm. a little kid. I mean, I played T-ball. I played little league soccer for every year. My grandparents owned a gas station, so they'd sponsor one of the, 
the teams in our small town. So, yeah. So we, we would play and um, played basketball, Pop Warner football. We mm-hmm. even tried to get a lacrosse team started uh, at Seaside High. We could only get they, like – They four. come and go. And, you know, they're, they're still one of the fastest growing sports in the country, you know. Yeah. I always, I yeah. was always intrigued by it, but you know, uh-huh. like you said, loved it. I don't Gita know really how. Liked it. I don't, I don't know how I was able to do all that. I had very, still do have very, very good hand-eye coordination for a blind guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, well, again, it's, 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 it's a feel. You. It's a feel. Mm-hmm. And, it's um, too. Mm-hmm. Like I believe it or not, I can go golf, um, but I can believe it, that. It's a long time to find. How, my, could you get a baseball? Oh, yeah. Really? You're I, gonna I hit never like, like baseball. You never like baseball? No. I was hitting home. I, I, I was feeling like, like I said, seeing a pitch is tough. You know, that's what separates baseball players from both is their vision. Yes. Uh, it's like flying a jet, you know, you got to be able to track. And my yeah, eyes. Exactly. The way I look at my mm-hmm. eyes is how it works is it's a vitamin A deficiency. So my eyes don't process vitamin A correctly and they grow uh-huh. yellow. And they grow these little yellow called flexes on my retina. Mm-hmm. So that mm-hmm. blocks my central vision. So I can't zoom. Think of your phone. You're holding up your phone to take a picture outside. And you notice how it zooms in. My eyes mm-hmm. don't zoom. Okay. So, so what you see is what you get with me. So yeah, if you I can't focus. focus. It's hard to focus in on like focused. one object. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, oh, wow. So, so it's That's like, the, uh, go ahead. yeah, it, it's one of those things where it's, it wasn't, it's not the vision part. It's the font, the fine print. So that's why I can't pass an eye exam, but I could drive a tractor. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, okay. I do oh, that. Wow. Yeah. yeah. We still got our almond farm out here. 58. Okay. So, so you're, you're running the almond farm and going to school. Yeah, well, I'm working on it, going to school uh, full-time, just just got married. Um, oh, wow, congratulations. Thank you. I, I tricked one. A trick <laughs> tricked marriage? A, yeah, I tricked oh, a lady tricked into <laughs> liking me. <laughs> oh, you caught her. She didn't catch you? Yeah, that's usually how it works. <laughs> Good for you, buddy. Good for you. I mean... Not like I was out there fishing with dynamite either. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, who wants a blind That's guy? Awesome. <laughs> who wants catch a good driver? <laughs> so it's uh, pretty yeah, exciting. So- Fresno State's, well, if we ever get back to teams with the sports, I don't know what's going to happen with COVID. Um, that worries me a little bit. Um, I, I mean, it, it's be so hard to do any type of grappling. Uh, well, I mean, sport, what did I say about that? Like wrestlers, we're clean. You know, we we've been dealing with infection that you know typically wrestlers are are cleaner than uh than most. I mean, like we had a, a staff issue. I mean, a staff issue this year, but because our kids shower regularly, we're just already better. And we are more aware of things like sickness because we we know how it can wreck a season or wreck a you know um. But I kind of I mean they sent out a CIF schedule this year of wrestling being a spring sport. Um, I don't know if you've seen that. Have, yeah, have you I've, seen? I I've started looking at it, but I didn't get to finish it. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it, well, it's a, it's all a draft. Like football will be in January, and they just kind of they just nothing in the fall and, and moved everything to two seasons. 
But personally, I doubt we're going to have championship at all this year. I mean, I don't think we're going to be able to congregate. Like, I can't see the whole state going to Vegas for the wrestling tournament. But, I mean, if we can wrestle regionally and, like, slowly build our germ circles, you know, we might be doing a lot of club wrestling. Like, we, like here, we'll just wrestle in the peninsula. You know, and, if we, and maybe that's we just stay in a league, a regional league for this season, and that's all we do at least – we get to keep wrestling, like to these kids or these seniors. I feel really bad for them. Um, you know, they put a lot of work in, and they're probably going to miss out. So I'm telling more and more, walk on. You know, if anything, just for closure. You know, just just for closure of your senior year, one more year of like of athletics. You know, if you can if you can manage it. You know, but we'll oh, see yeah. what happens. Yeah. Yeah, that. I, don't know. I remember we had that. Uh, what was it? Two or three people get staph infection on it. It was George. Michael Pham was able to fit a quarter in his knee. Yeah, I remember that. Well, Michael didn't listen to me also. Yeah, that was part of his problem. Listen. You know, I told him to go, go to the doctor on that like a week ahead of time. Um, yeah. You know, that was me. I mean, I learned – you guys are my first team I coached. I learned, I learned a lot about you – a lot coaching you too. And uh, – um, but, yeah, I mean, and that was the thing. Once you – that's – why you've got to disinfect and once it once you get one kid it, it comes out i mean and it comes in mouths like that uh yeah and once we learned we had it we had to figure out how to disinfect the room and ventilate it and get a better space and actually those boys getting staff led to that wall getting knocked down actually yeah it needed to Do you remember how we got the expanded room that was because yeah. of that i was able that was my uh my uh like we need to do this because we because we need enough more air we need more ventilation and yeah. I used it to our advantage. <laughs> yeah, and uh, not only that, that was probably the best thing that ever happened to that wrestling room because then we were able to get the new mat and it was able mm -hmm. to fit in there. Uh, we went down well, to – I was Hall. proud of that space. And, and that was what I was wanted to do is make it as wrestling-friendly as I could make it. You know, I'm, you know, I'm kind, of, kind of sad that it kind of it, – that the uh, program folded over there. But, uh, you know, it's budget – District-wide decisions, that, that's, out of my, that's out of my control. You know, it's, um, when Seaside hired me, they hired me to be a PE teacher and wrestling coach. And they interviewed me, and I got an interview because I put on my resume I wanted to be a wrestling coach. And mm -hmm. so, that's, you know, interview, I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. I'm stoked. And, you know, and so then when, a better op when opportunities arise, and they do, and that's all I can say is you, know, you make good choices and, and then – you know, opportunities to come and you want those. It was very hard for me to leave Seaside, but the, the, for me, it was like, Hey, I hope you have to make a decision like this one day, make your good decisions and make a good. And for me, it, it, it meant a better home life for myself at the time. Um, but so anyway, I, I worked really hard with Seaside to try and get a new coach and going back and working. And it really, they didn't do the same thing. When they hired me, they screened applications looking for a wrestling coach and it really just – they had too many other things on their plate to really – they're like, oh, if someone comes along and wants to do it, great, but we really don't care if it doesn't. And that's – and that's just – and that's – but I, I, I'll admit, I, I told most of those kids around that time, I said, if you want to keep wrestling, go to Monterey, you know, because yeah. <laughs> you know, that's the club. And yeah, and Monterey even now, actually has we, water next to their wrestling mat, just so you know. What's that? Monterey had water next to their wrestling mat. So yeah, Monterey did drink water. 
Oh yeah, <laughs> they did drink water. Yeah, but I mean, it's like Roberto does great, and that club is amazing. He's that guy's done amazing things for wrestling. You know, well, yeah, uh, I recommend him for an with too. USA Wrestling. So that what's he, that? He's, a, he's so entwined with USA Wrestling that he's mm -hmm. the guy to know. So if he could also coach you, that that's a benefit as well. Plus, well, they had eighty-man teams. Yeah, well, he 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 works. I mean, Roberto and I were uh, were colleagues, and um, the the way I can describe Roberto is like as we moved through life and got in deciding our career paths, I chose to be a teacher. Roberto, Coach Dixon chose wrestling first. Like I chose teaching first, he chose wrestling first. So as I got my credential and teaching and things like that, he has been moving up through USA Wrestling. He's our regional wrestling director. The man, if, if I, as much as I love wrestling, he loves it. 10 times more. I mean, he, he sleeps and breathes it. And he's a, he's a great and great generous man and does a lot, does a lot for the sport. You know? well, did he also um, make the Olympic trials? Yeah. He, uh, I think he almost made the Olympic team uh, for, uh, I'll let, I let him tell that story, you know, that's yeah, it, that's I'll, it. Yeah, I'll let him tell that story. But uh, like what I like, it's, you know, I, um, Alex, do you, I, I probably gave, there was a packet I made called making yourself a champion. It was like a big, thick packet of, you may remember that. Well, I, you know, yeah. every year I try to redo that and change it up a little bit. And, you know, as I got older, one in the, in the opening statements, I um, uh, referred to it, I said, don't be so naive that, to believe that your coach is the end all be all of all technique. Seek out other people. I mean, what's great about wrestling and martial arts and all these sports is as soon as you it's such a welcome as soon as like if i meet someone on the street and start talking to say oh i was are oh, you a wrestler you instantly have a connection and you instantly understand because you both already put yourself through something more but um and what that means is coaches are willing to share most and i mean maybe not like at the side of the mat at competition but like here in the, like i tell kids to go see roberto while the, my my kids that really want to keep wrestling they go, we go to the club. I introduce him to the club and he welcomes them with open arms. Same thing. If I go to a freestyle tournament, I see a kid without a coach. I'm happy to jump in the corner. If I see their technique, I'll pull them aside and say, Hey, you know what? Next time you might want to check this grip out or check out just changing your grip from this to this. And it, it's, it's such a giving community, you know, and just a, but the, 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 my point is like most coaches are happy to share technique. So drink it up. You know, pick everybody's brain, you know, don't feel like you're just because you're don't rely on like the, um, I guess, loyalty of your program to the point of like your sport is more your art form, you know, and, and anybody that's willing to learn from anybody that's willing to teach you and ask anybody that will. Yeah. Um, and it's like you look at these famous painters. It's like, did they only paint one type of picture? No, that's they, true. They yeah. have various styles. And uh, so you have to versatile yourself as well, because. The more knowledge is power, and the more knowledge that you have, the more uh, tools you can pull out of your arsenal and use them whenever the time does present itself. Because mm -hmm. most of these things, you only need them every once in a while. But uh, Coach Dixon, yeah, uh, that's Coach Roberto Dixon, in case you guys wanted to look him up. He's a Monterey High School's wrestling coach and regional at – uh, USA Wrestling in general. He's a regional director. Yeah. So the way I look at learning from different coaches is you and Josh Daniels taught me how to leg ride. 
um, very well. And that was how I learned how to control people on the ground and use my hips better. But Coach Gary, he's the one that really took my Greco to the next level. You remember what my uh, record in Greco-Roman was? I do not remember your Greco-Roman. It's pretty good. Sixteen and zero, pretty good. Oh wow! I was undefeated in Santa Clara Valley. Okay, yeah, that's, oh. what, yeah, that's what you wrestle a lot. Well, you know, he was a thrower, and you like that upper body too. And yeah, um, I had as you were just saying about on. the painters, yeah, <laughs> um, that's what you you know you you there's the masters of different styles of wrestling or different styles of painting, as you just said. You know, um, you know, mat wrestlers, throwers, tires, and and when someone's a master, you know, taking a few tips from them, um, that's, that's how you, that's how we grow. You know, you learn from the best, you know, reach and seek out the best and find them. And, you know, sometimes you're lucky enough to have them in your backyard. Most of us are not. And, but that's really what you, you know, got to do. And that's, I say travel, you know, the more you, those really good kids are the ones that just seek it out. Um, you know, but I, as I'm teaching and talking all the time, like, you know, that good, that kid, you, you've probably been to a party and there's that guy that shows up with his guitar and, you know, plays a couple songs, woos all the girls. They're like, oh, and you're like, oh, I want to play guitar. What you don't remember is the lonely nights I got set in his room just practicing chords and fingers because he loved playing guitar or the mm -hmm. skater, you know, that, that's out pulling moves at the park and doing all kinds of stuff. You don't see him skinning up all the time. He's because he just liked being on the board. I remember, um, and for, for me, it was like a, I tried the guitar, I didn't want to sit there and play it. Like wrestling, I wanted to go wrestle. And I mm -hmm. said, it just was fun. And that's been the biggest thing I've been trying to encourage. Like, it's fun to wrestle. You know, it's not gotta be anger, tough, intensive. It's fun. Um, I personally now I'm trying to model my coaching style off Kale Sanderson, as opposed, I grew up on the Gable style of intensity and you you gotta be so intense and intense, but it's almost like, when you're that intense and that fired up, you're um, you're almost afraid to lose. A loss hits you so hard. Uh, you know, the Kale style, those guys, they work and they train, but they're so much more relaxed because they're just having fun. You know, when you win some, you lose some. There's a kid I coached, he, he put his yearbook quote about wrestling. He's like, yeah, wrestling, I win some, I lose some, but I'm still me. You know, you don't change who you are, your losses. And and that was so much because once you take that ego out of it, you're free to just unleash and your style can fly and, you know, moves can go um, wherever. And, you know, you know, I talk about there's two types of competitors. And there's the type of competitor that really wants to win. And there's the type of competitor that hates or afraid to lose. And a lot of people say, I'm a, I hate to lose. I hate to lose. Problem is, if you hate to lose, Sooner or later, you're going to make a decision in that competition to protect the win, hold back, play defense, protect the win, where if you just really, really want to win, you're just constantly, constantly reaching and striving to be your best and achieve the goal, and you'll go for it. You're Mike, like, the, and if you don't, you're going to just keep going. You're going to keep reaching and keep striving. So I really am trying to encourage, encourage that, like, let it all hang out in a match. Let it go. Let it fly. Have fun. If you hit a now, if you're in the state finals, you may want to avoid that belly to belly throw in the first 30 seconds of the match. But hey, you're going to get there because you're willing to try things when you have the opportunity. You know, and so let 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 so 
don't be afraid of competition. Embrace it and look for the toughest kid you can find, you know, because that's how you get better. Well, my dad always used to say, he said uh, he would go find the biggest kid in school and challenge to a fight day one. I was like, yeah. is, is this school or prison? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, I mean, I've heard that, yeah, that style. But, but you know, I mean, it's as if you notice, like, like wrestling, how there's like hotbeds, like the Central Valley is really tough. But that's because, oh, yeah. you know, you've got, as they're talking about the speed, it happens so fast. And if you're wrestling at that tempo um, more frequently, you're just going to get better. You know, my, uh, I've had two CCS champions since coaching. And uh, my first one, I look back and probably the reason he got it was because I was a workout partner regularly at the end. I was, was fit enough to wrestle Alex every day. Or none? What's that? Is that Alex Lee or none? No, no, no. This was at Carmel, actually. His name was Cody oh, Sauer. Yeah. Oh. oh uh, I didn't have any champions at Seaside. Alex Lee was the highest one I could – I think he took fifth um, at Seaside. Um, okay. I really wasn't there long enough to develop some champions of time. But, you know, that's how it goes. Um, but, hey, it's tough. It's tough to be a CCS champ. But, you know, this kid – and it was just because I was just – our scrambles were faster. And he got faster and more wily in the scrambles because he was wrestling with me daily. Um, I can't do that forever. And as a coach, I'm really trying now to build a program that I can't, I can't be the best guy in the room. It just doesn't work. If you're, you, your coach is the best guy, you need kid, you need guys, your weight and your size that are good. And it's always, it's always been a struggle on a peninsula is just getting enough good partners together. You know, well, you get a good group. How many did we have on our team at one point? Seven kids. We forfeited half, half of the dual meets and we still ended up winning some because yeah, I mean, I've always tried to count, like, how many matches we won. Um, it's hard because I've I'm not filled it. I have not had a complete lineup in my – shoot. Alex, what year did you start high school? Oh, four. 2004. Okay, that's right. Okay, so 2004. So 16 years of coaching on the peninsula, off and on. You know, um, that took a gap there. I have not had a full team where I've filled all 14 weight classes ever. Uh, best I think I've done is 12. I mean, and that's and I, the same, I mean, that's the, but that's small school coaching. You know, that's just, that's just, that's the nature of the beast. And you, you know, you, you, you take it for what it is. You know, if you can put together a team, I always said in our leagues, like Mission Trail and the NBAL, if I could have filled a team, I could have won a league title regularly. You yeah. Know, that's just, it's the, if you can fill the team, you can do it. Um, you know, yeah, that was, and that's, that's those challenges you got to overcome. You can embrace it. You can complain about it or you can uh, figure out how to overcome it, you know? And, and yeah, but when there's only, uh, uh, there's nobody in your school under, you know, 120 pounds, you ain't got a lightweight, you know, that's just how it goes. You know? <laughs> yeah. No one, no one, uh, over, over 215 mm -hmm. and you don't got yeah. a heavyweight. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, my, for me as a coach, the biggest frustration, the hardest challenge was trying to make efficient practices when you, you just didn't have a good workout group. You know, it would be awesome to say, okay, you five are a group, so now let's do some shark bait wrestling for the next half an hour. You know, that's an awesome workout. That's an awesome practice. You're, 30, you're, you're in for two minutes of wrestling, and then you're in for, like, then you get breaks in between. It's, it's interval wrestling. It's interval workouts and wrestling style. It's the greatest way to train. But you've got to have five good partners to do it or four good partners to do it. You know, and it was rare we could do that. So, I mean, I learned now as I'm getting older as a coach how to teach kids 
And the older, the more experienced are, the more they can wrestle outside their weight class. Like you can hand fight and drill with someone outside and learn to work different body types. But so much easier if you just got a part of your size. You know? Yeah. I mean, I would. It would. What What would you say is the biggest benefit from going from high school wrestling to middle school wrestling? What do you mean uh, benefit? Like, like what? What would you like say? As some coach? Of, yeah, as coaching, what would you say some of the perks are to teaching younger kids compared to more of the teenagers? Oh well, I, I'll tell you, Alex. When I um, was making when when I left Seaside is when I really decided that I, I'm a better teacher that I'm better suited to teach than coach. Um, but a way I can give back to the peninsula is to get some youth wrestling going is to teach some fundamentals. I mean, I really, I could do more good. You know, my plan when I went to Carmel was just to start a middle school team. Figured I could, I could build there, I could handle it there. Because in the first couple, in the five, six years I started co teaching and coaching wrestling, I was sick and tired of teaching kids how to shake hands and tie shoes. Every year I'm teaching kids how to shake hands and tie shoes. So I'm like, I need to teach the fundamentals. I mean, can you imagine going out for varsity basketball and not knowing how to dribble? <laughs> I couldn't even I mean those. that's so that's the I, I do the middle school mainly to teach these kids some fundamentals and mainly to give them an idea of how hard it's going to be because middle school wrestling is pretty fun and relaxed um you know I usually have a conversation at the beginning it seemed like we can as you said earlier I'm like about you work hard at practice to have fun on Saturdays I have mm -hmm. that conversation it's like hey we can screw around we can play games and steal the bacon and have a good time during the week and then get thumped on Saturdays. Or we can hurt and work and have not quite so much fun during the week and have fun winning on Saturday. What do you guys want to do? And I've had teams that really didn't. They, they all say they want to win on Saturday, but I can tell within about a week that they really don't. And, you I, you know, just slowly I suit the practices for them. But and I, I know who's going to make it who's going to not. But really it is kind of a grooming weed out. It's a way I can get kids out. And maybe teach some kids about, hey, about what it means to be an athlete, you know. Um, but really to get them, give them a taste of what wrestling is about. So when they come out as high school, they um, uh, know what's going on. Because typically, without a middle school program, most kids don't come out till their sophomore year. Yeah. Because I did freshman year, year. There's, you came out there, you played basketball your freshman year, you know, because yeah. you knew basketball. It was familiar to you. You know, that's a total reason. If you'd have, if you'd have, if you'd have had a two-week wrestling unit in middle school, you'd have been on the wrestling team as a freshman. I would you know, have been so that's really what I'm trying school. to expose the kids, you know. I get a lot of chuckleheads, but I can also teach them to not be chuckleheads. And, yeah, well, but, it's about breeding culture. You know? You know, and I, I mean, I really did it, so I was kind of hoping to send kids to that high school program at Carmel um, with some background. Because that coach up there, he's great. But he really doesn't do well at like um, teaching the fundamentals or just expressing. He's a this guy's a national champion. That's the prince. Um, but he uh, he's he's the kind he was he's the kind of guy that I look for all the time as a good wrestler. The kind of kid's kind of quiet, just comes in, puts her head down, and works hard. Yeah. And so he's like the kind of coach. Right, I want you to go over here and do a hundred standups. All right, you can go over here and work on your duck hunters. You do that. And then he's like, okay, go. And because they didn't do it. You know, he didn't quite, he just didn't have the same kind of like motivation. I mean, as you remember, Alex, I yelled and had my foot up your butt quite a bit in practice because kids, you know, just need that constant encouragement and, and just constant motivation. 
um, and he's self, and most kids, most teenagers aren't self-motivated, you know, they, they are, but they're not, you know, it's well, a really special kid to do it all. All they know as kids is that it's easy to quit when things get hard. It's harder to mm -hmm. stick and, to it and grow because you learn the most is, from whenever you're down and out and you're at your lowest. That's whenever you really figure out who you are as a person, like you were alluding to earlier. You don't I know who believe, you are without adversity. I truly believe one of the most valuable attributes a person can have is grit and determination because with that, you can overcome anything. And, mm -hmm. and wrestling ground wrestling breeds more grit and determination than staff and ring work you know, yeah. by far yep we we had all that plenty of it you know? especially yeah. george george had the staff and then we both got ringworm one summer so mm -hmm. uh, yeah it happens that's something it's, it's very prevalent you know and but that's that's just it, it but the all that again you had to deal with that you know i mean i'm sorry you get staff I can't come to your house and clean your wounds and put the S4 on to take care of it. You got to do it. You know, you have to, you have to make weight. You know, you have to watch. I can't, I can't tell you, uh, I can say don't eat, don't drink soda and don't eat a burrito before weigh-ins, but you're the one that has to do it. And that's, mm -hmm. that's the grit. That's where the grit is built daily in wrestling. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's why we love it. You know, and it's it, it people with a passion for it. So if you enjoy anything, of course, you're going to actually enjoy learning more about it. It's whenever you mm -hmm. try to force people to do something that their heart's not in it, do you really yeah. start to see that kind of disconnect? And those are easy to see compared to those who actually, that light's going off in their eyes every time they see mm -hmm. a, oh, that's a Gramby roll? Oh, what I got to try that. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and, 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 that's, and some people just are drawn to that, some are not. And, you know, as a coach, I had to learn some hard lessons of, of frustration. And one of the, the best, I learned this lesson from uh, Coach Coleman. Mr. Coleman, you remember him? Oh, uh, awesome. He, like, he was a good old awesome dude. Uh, and I was, I'm like, God, I was just pulling my hair out because guys weren't learning and kids weren't, they weren't motivated in practice. And I was, I was going crazy. and and uh, um, he said to me, he's like, sugars, you can't coach desire. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, you can't want to win more than they do. And I'm like, you're absolutely right. And it makes all the sense in the world. I can't want that victory more than you do because you're the one. You, if you don't want it, you don't want it. You're here going through the moat. And I mean, I had some teams and I remember uh, like we went, oh, yeah. Well, you want to talk about the Facebook comments about the, 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 the um, oh, I remember those days. We, there was a, a comic specific, some pictures that popped up from all the old teams, some of your old teams. And like, oh, the, the, the stuff you guys were doing, like, um, oh, how was it? Because we would go to the Coast Classic. I had the schedule set up to go to the Coast Classic. on It was a Friday-Saturday tournament. And mm -hmm. if, you, if you made it through the tournament, you would go, I'd take you back on Saturday, but if you didn't, you went to the JV tournament and Hollister on Saturday. Yeah. San Bernardino and, Classic. Yeah, and it turned out half the team freaking dogged it at the varsity tournament so they could go win medals and kick butt at the JV tournament. I'm like, oh my God. You know, I was like, I can't believe I only got one kid. I think it was George. It was George. They qualified for uh, Saturday. And, and they're I like, went, yeah, we went to the JV kids. 
That was actually you know? my first varsity tournament right there. My first match, I wrestled Dane Stevens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, well, and then exactly. uh, I took him down, put him on his back, and then he reversed me and pinned me. But Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, he's tough. He was a real good kid. Uh, um, yeah, so, I mean, I but, wasn't quite ready. I didn't know what that level of a wrestler was like yet. No, and that's way. it. But that's the only way to get there is to, is to, is to that's why I have, you know, throw you guys the wolves a little bit and you learn from it, you know, and, and but it, but my point is that that group, they, um, I quit, I didn't, I learned it then, but it really made sense when I saw this later in life, you know, it's like, we were just on different wavelengths, yeah. you know, I mean, I, I hope you guys had a great time and there was like, I want, and that's why it was very frustrating for me at that time, because a lot of those kids on that team just weren't into it for the same reason i had um over here at my other school I had the same problem i'm like man i got these two boys that are uh just freaking driving me crazy because they just screw around in practice the whole time this one kid he showed up at a tournament you know let's say bring your own food he's walking around he's like you go he brought a can of peaches and no can opener he's a space cadet you know he's like you got a can opener i'm like no but a wrestling tournament not a camp out <laughs> But so anyway, found out years later that those two thought it was fun that they would smoke out and then come to practice. No uh, wonder, no wonder they were spaced out. No wonder they were dragging and screwing around and drilling all the time because they weren't there to wrestle. They were there yeah. to screw off. Sober and up. <laughs> the problem was, is when you have a small team, some of that gets, they, you almost have to rely on those kids. And that's the hardest part. There's not, if I had, if that if they didn't were partners and I could mix them up a little bit, they'd have gotten thumped a cup enough that they wouldn't have ever done that again. But again, these are things I didn't find out about until a long time later. But I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Again, yeah. that kid turns it's, out that kid did wrestle as a senior because he uh, he played football and then decided he wanted to be social his senior year um, and uh, or the rest of his year. So he didn't wrestle. Um, did not graduate high school. Because he went into painkillers and went into heroin and went into rehab. Yeah, so bad, sad story. So my point on that is all this athletics, it keeps all that stuff off your radar. You know, you keep something, you know, teenage brains are growing. Keep it off your radar. Be an athlete. I mean, I wasn't doing all that while I was wrestling. It was when I wasn't wrestling, I started doing dumb stuff, hanging out with, you know, people who aren't up to any good. And it well, there's a void you got to fill. Yeah. You know, and I mean, you, as we were talking earlier about like sports and things, you only have, you have a limited, limited time in your life where you can do these things and physically able. And, you know, I say it to some, you know, sophomore students, like I said, you got four, you know, you got four years in this place, especially when a kid like does it and then wants to quit, then how are you going to make your mark? You know, mm -hmm. you got four years in this school to do something, you know, to really, and that's really, it, it hopefully it, it guides you into like picking something to really just, seek out perfection you know in every person in life you need something to if you you've got to have something to pour yourself into you know yeah. to pour your sweat besides the job you know where it's just your thing where like i'm putting my heart and soul my passion into this and without it it's life becomes pretty miserable you know and, yeah. and part of school is to help find those things and figure out what they are and opportunities and that's why it always annoys me when kids uh in school early and graduate early like you're at Fresno State, don't try to get through there as fast as you can. Take advantage of what that place has to offer. It's an institution for personal growth. When else yeah. are you gonna have free access to that weight room? 
Yeah. When, um, when else are you also going to have free access to all of these great minds who have PhDs in the exact mm -hmm. field that you're going in? Who better to try to get a mentor than the people who have been there and done it longer than you've been alive? Absolutely. You know, find those good people. Find those people with focus. Learn yeah. from them. And that's mm -hmm. the thing is you, you got to learn to be a sponge. No matter what you do, and no matter where you go, you just need to learn to soak it in and absorb all of the good times, the bad times, the information, because without good, you don't, or without bad, you won't have good. Without the ups, you won't have downs. So you just got to be in the moment and ride those waves as long as you can. So since this the quarantine, have you, been, so have you been out surfing since the quarantine? Um, I have not surfed much since the quarantine. It's, uh, it's interesting, Alex. I kind of, I, for lack of a better term, I kind of lost my stoke. You know, I, I haven't surfed no, much in the past couple years. I mean, I, I moved out to the Valley. So, um, and it's funny, it's like surfing, it, it still gives me a great joy and it's just funny, but I found something actually, I started trout fishing. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. Uh, um, I mean, I fished a lot as a kid and then, um, you know, I found some places here and I got a kayak and I've been, so it's like, what do I want to do when I go fish? I want to go surf. And lately I've been choosing to go fishing more. And now I really want to catch one of the big steelhead out of the uh, Los Padres Reservoir. You know, that's oh. my, my most recent goal. I've hooked two, like talking nice three foot, you know, 36 inch big fish, but there's an ocean fish. Um, but I haven't got a picture of one yet. And that's all I want to do is land one, get a picture and let it go. There's, yeah. that's, that's a, but yeah, so that's, um, go ahead. Sorry. I don't eat seafood, but I just love to fish. I mean, call it, maybe that's the, the Oki in my DNA, but mm -hmm. my, Russian, oh, my, my Russian side, it, it's too cold to fish. It don't care. <laughs> Ice fishing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's that's probably what made me good at wrestling was that mixture of redneck and Russian. That could be. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. well, yeah. And, uh, you know, but it's funny, like fishing, it, it kind of gives me that same kind of feeling of when I'm uh, um, on the bank or watching the water, I'm watching the current, trying to figure out where the where the fish are, where the food is and how the water's moving. And I remember I took my buddy once um, and, you know, I'm, I was always a hyperactive person, hard to sit still is, you know, pretty obvious. And, uh, you know, he's like, Chuggers, I have never seen you sit still this long in my entire life. And I'm like, and he was absolutely right. I was. It's because even though my body was still, my mind was running. You know, my mind was just going just a mile a minute about everything that was happening out in that water. You know, and yeah. it's like kind of like wrestling. So even though I'm just, it's active up in here. And that's really where the activity has to happen. You know, it's, it, it's the fo how the focus changes. And, you know, it helps me focus on one thing. You know? That's the thing about wrestling is, yeah, it's physical, but it's just as much as mental as anything else you'll ever face. You, you mm -hmm. have to be mentally strong, mentally aware, and mentally sharp if you want to succeed. And, you know, so, some people were able to do it, some people weren't. But at the end of the day, it didn't matter because we're all wrestlers. And we, all, we all went through the same practices, learned the same moves, and doesn't matter how good you are at it a certain respect goes in just stepping on that circle inside the circle step on that line shake hands and then it's just you even though wrestling is considered a team sport and martial arts as well it's 
they're not really a team sport. You, you train with the team to prepare you the best you can because on fight night, on your wrestling match, it's just you out there. There's nobody mm-hmm. can go in there, tag you in, help you, pull them off of you. It's just you're alone. So you have to prepare better than you think you can so that that way whenever you are alone, it doesn't panic you out because I feel most of the problems with people was they were afraid because they were alone. And it really blocked them mentally. Until they got over it, then they got better at it. I think of Michael Pham as a perfect example. Alex Lee as well. Alex Lee really loved to, uh, to joke, laugh, kid. But then he figured out it wasn't as fun to get your butt kicked as it was to win. <laughs> and so he, he yeah, made that's right. And he, he made that mental switch. He made that choice. I mean, he was a screw all. That's why um, the one year he came in weighing 130 pounds and couldn't wrestle 106s all season because he because he was too heavy at, at weight certification. And yeah, that was I think that was the trigger. He's like, man, this is not fun. Mike, with a little bit of discipline, you can go a long way. And he that's when like when he made the switch every day. He ran up the sand dune before school. Mm-hmm. You know the, the he and he because and it, and it's though when you and it's funny how every champion or everyone they you make that point where they're just some some kind of mundane thing that you just okay this is the thing I'm gonna do and and that almost leads to that continuity and consistency that has to be a part of this of real growth and and real change you know mm-hmm. and um, but it's like he's like it's uh, for me I remember it was um. Um, I was like 16 and I took the weight bench from the basement and moved it to my bedroom. And cause then I, 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 I shoot, I lifted weights in my underwear all the time. <laughs> cause I just like, it, but that was, it, it was like, it was like, I just, that made, I, mean, I put it right in my face, you know? And, uh, that was a big one for me and that and writing the names of my opponents on the, the guy I wanted to be writing his name on the mirror. You know, just every time I had a little, I, but that was just, that was my reminder. But, you know, and sports help give you that, 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 that what you're reaching for. I mean, as a, as a grown up now, I'll, um, I'll sign up for Spartan races once in a while. Uh-huh. And I do it just to have a goal, just of a motivation to, you know, keep me running, keep me training. You know, I need something out there to, to, to so I don't go out there and just, I'm going to go to the race either way. So I'd rather go enjoy myself instead of barf up a lung, you know? Uh, do, you, do you remember a uh, kid from our school, Nico Abiera? Uh, I think so. Skinny JRTC. kid. Yeah, he was a small yeah, okay. Skinny kid. kid. He may used to have the real long hair. I think so, yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he, he apparently does Spartan races. Um, so uh, what uh, is a Spartan race? I, I've never watched one. Oh, they're you know what? Shoot, they you probably dig them if you like if you can run. They're like a they're like a they're like they took a wrestling practice, you know, a conditioning portion of wrestling practice and stretch it out over a 5K or a, or a couple mile. You know, the beasts are like 12, 13 miles, and the the the, the sprints are like five like three miles, and then there's a super which is like ten miles, like six miles, something like that. But pretty much it's like some running and then obstacles like right rope climbs, tire flipping, uh, spear throwing, sandbagging, carrying. You know, it's like a this feels like a wrestling practice. Climb a wall, you know, get roll around the dirt, carry something, run a lot. You know, what I mean, that's it's a fun. yeah, it's good. They're, they're good times, you know. Um, yeah, like the mud runs and all those, all those. Uh, I know. Um, 
But yeah, cause, I mean, because I've always had a distance runner part of me as well. And so I embraced it. You know, I'm like, I actually, if I'd have found those things in my mid 20s, I'd have been crushing them. I'd have been yeah. crushing those when I was like, if, if I was, you know, if they'd have started 10, 15 years earlier, because that was right on my alley, you know, with my distance running background and my physical ability background, I'd have eat them up. You know. The story of all yeah. of our lives. If we would have started yeah. just 15, 20 years earlier at any point. Coulda, woulda, shoulda. You know? Yep. My favorite. Coulda, woulda, shoulda. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so the Spartan races, that's neat. I'll have to check into those. Mm -hmm. but, I mean, shoot, but again, who knows if there's going to be one for a while. Um, yeah. I mean, actually, they hold, they hold a pretty tough one right here at Toro Park. It's, a, it's usually a beast, which is like 12, 13 miles. It's usually really hot. Yeah, I think we lost like, oh, some of your awesome. volume here. Right I that? think your mic came undone, or we went real oh. quiet there. Hello. Okay, you're back. You're back. I'm back. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I was saying they got to do push-ups in the uh, locker room at Giant Stadium during the Spartan race there, and so oh, it was. Um, I'm like, oh, that's Buster Posey's locker, and uh, and you know, it was that race was was pretty awesome because you know it was a 5K and it was pretty decent shape, but I came out of the tunnel onto the field. So it was awesome. Like, to run the race, I got a tour of the stadium. You know, because the course went everywhere, underground and all around on the field. So as I come out on the field, I'm like, I'm running a really good time. All I got left are box jumps, a, um, a monkey bar, like a, you know, cargo monkey bar thing, and then run through and I'm almost done. I'm going to crush this. So I hit those box jumps hard. Like, bam, 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 bam. I came up with box jumps woozy. It's like, uh-oh. Oh, shit. Uh-oh. So then I, I, you know, shake it off, and then I do the jump through the monkey bars, and I run through, and I finish. And as I'm finished, I'm really losing out. And it's wrestling, running, those things, pushing yourself till you puke. So you're gonna puke out of passing, so I'm starting to lose it. So uh, I'm like, oh, now I gotta find a uh, a landmark. So next time you watch a Giants game, do you know how on the third base side where the guy sits in the corner that catches the the foul ball, the hot ball? Mm-hmm. Usually, an old dude sitting there in the chair. I noticed that spot. I ran up there and threw in the throw up in the dirt right there. So every time I watch Giants, I'll say, hey, that guy's sitting in my throw up. I'm <laughs> sitting in my spot here. Yeah, I need to do push-ups. Yeah, need to move right over. There, you know? yeah, so I brought some dirt on the metal they gave me. You know, it's just kind of neat to be on the field. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, yeah. I'm glad that you actually got back into, into coaching because, you know, you were good at it and you turned this troubled kid into – more of a man than he should have been. So. Oh, Alex, you're a good man. You know what? You have to make good choices. And part of growing up is, you know, learning from our mistakes. You know, oh yeah, I got like plenty of those. <laughs> I got plenty of those to choose from. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, I'm. I I do look back, and it's it's um it's something that I have, and I I. I if I, when I when I did take a break from coaching to kind of figure some things out, there was a really big hole in my life, and I actually realized I was a better man. I'm a better man when I'm coaching than when I'm not. Like I just I take better care of myself. I I use my time wiser, and for the same reason, I want you teenagers out doing sports and doing things is because you need to fill your days. Is the same reason I'm doing it again is because it's a it's a good quality wholesome activity and it, it just makes me a better person you know and, and i'm glad i'm glad i get to share that with you alex and 
you know, I'm glad, uh, you know, you learned a few lessons from this old dog and, you know, and, uh, you know, I hope you, uh, you keep, uh, keep, keep that grit, man. Keep that grit. And that you, your drive is one of your biggest assets and it can take you anywhere you want it to, you know, pretty yeah. awesome. I mean, isn't that funny coming from a blind guy, you know, it's, uh, yeah. you've never heard me use my vision as a crutch. You never heard me mm -hmm. use it as an excuse. You never heard me say, oh, well, I'm just going to give up then. You know, it doesn't matter if the odds are stacked in your favor, if they're stacked against you. It just shows that, like you said, with grit, you can, you can do whatever you want to do. It, I'm not mm -hmm. any smarter than anybody else. I just listen to smart people and try to soak up what they have to say. And, whenever and it they, might take you longer. That's the, the biggest thing to understand is you, you, it's at your own, there is no timeline and like what, someone might grasp quickly it might if you want it it might take more tries you know? oh, yeah. it might take some detours to figure out your path you know i mean shoot you know i'm, I'm 46 years old now i just realized that i kind of fell into like a decent path of light like yeah i mean but again i made i did my best to, to make the right make the right choice along the way you know, and, and uh, you know, like try to do jump and that, and one of the hardest things to learn in high school, it's the hard or hardest thing to do, is learning to jump through those hoops. Because a lot of high school is that is like, hey, this is how you you learn how you get a driver. You got to jump through these hoops, and you know, as Coleman used to freak kids out about, hey, you're those aren't the right PE clothes you can't wear. But he was pretty much saying like, you're you're going to come to a place in life where they're going to make you follow those details and toe the line. You know, your boss told I mean, you no open toed Just smile and nod, you know? Yep, your boss said no open-toed shoes, you know? What are you going to do whenever yep. he tells you or she tells you, hey, you need, we're going to write you up because you don't know how to follow the rules. <laughs> yeah, and then you either find a place where you fit in the boundaries they provide or you adjust, you know? Yep. And, and the older you get, the easier that is to do, you know? Yeah, speaking of Coleman, he's actually the one who taught me how to wrap my hands. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And uh, you know who actually took over the wrestling team when you left? Who's that? Me, you were coaching me, there for a minute? Me and Coach Gary. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I remember Gary's there. Gary's there. Yeah. I know you. I, I, okay. Wait, I do remember you being hit with him for a little bit. Because I was all, yeah, I was kind of on the edges and, yeah, popping around. Um, yeah. Yeah, the Carmel, the, the thing, I was starting doing that middle school program at Carmel, but then the high school team was going to fall apart. I'm like, what am I teaching, doing this for if there's no place for these kids to go? So I yeah. shared the duty with another guy, and some good families came in and took a lot of labor off my plate. It's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Well, how dangerous these streets are nowadays, man. Anything to keep these kids motivated to stay out of them is just going to help, yeah. help everybody around, you know, those, those third-party benefits of people getting a good education and learning good morals, learning how to be disciplined. And th those are just things that will benefit the whole community when at least one person does that. So if everybody did that, we would have. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Have yeah. Pay it forward. You know, be a good citizen, be a good person. If we're all good people, you know, it'd be a good place. It would. Yeah. You but, know, one of these days we all yeah. might remember how to get along, but. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure we'll figure it out sooner or later. Lucky. Not everybody yeah. was as lucky as me to grow up in Seaside in such a diverse place. It's yeah, you're pretty lucky spot, dude. Yeah. So many awesome people, beautiful views, and it 
you know, high school is one of those things that I'll, I'll always remember. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing because during the time you think that that's all there ever is, is, oh, high school. Once it's high school, I'm an adult. And then you realize yeah. high school was just a fraction of your life. It's <laughs> I feel sad for those that their high point of their life was their high school. And I came from a place where there was a lot of that, you know, but, you know, it's it just a, you know, it's, it is a stepping stone and it, it is the jumping off point. And, but sometimes you jump off and you miss your landing, but that doesn't mean it's over. You tread water and you finally climb up and you jump again. And, you know, and you, and you, and those experiences will guide your path and you know, lead you to what you're going to do and what you're going to be. And, you know, how are you going to keep living? You know? Awesome. And one last thing before we wrap up here, I would right. like to ask you, what would you say to any young people who are going into coaching wrestling for the first time? And then mm -hmm. also the kids who are going, who are on the fence, maybe want to check it out. What, what would you um, say? So young kids want to get into coaching. Um, you know, be willing to spend the time, you know, you'll, you'll love it. You'll be the time. Uh, Get the certifications that go along with your coaching, you know, USA Wrestling. Um, and if you decide to make it a, a – a, I mean, you're going to volunteer at first at your local clubs and things like that. Learn from those older coaches. Definitely, um, you know, pay attention and watch them. The, uh, but then it's going to get to a time where you're deciding you've been doing this and don't let a school district make make you work for free. You know, once, like I said, once you get – because – I'll remember when I first um, came into Santa Monica before coming to Seaside, my first one, I said, I'm going to get in. I'm going to coach the middle school team, fell back in love with the sport in Texas. Um, come to Santa Monica. I walk into the wrestling room there and I'm like, I want to help you coach. And, and the rest of the coach, I like, go, oh, sure. Okay. And I'm like, shoot, I'll volunteer. He's like, no, you won't. He's like, yeah, I'm going to pay you because it won't be much. He's like, well, do car wash. You'll get paid because I expect professional work, you know? And, uh, when I was at, um, and I ran into that at, um, at another place I was coaching where I was really into it and really doing everything. And the head coach was not. And I was, it was, I was banging my head against the wall. And then I realized the problem. The head coach looked at it as a hobby. Mm -hmm. I looked at it as a job and a profession. So he put hobby effort into it. I put professional effort into it. So make sure you, are honest with yourself and what kind of coach you're going to be. Are you a volunteer hobby coach or are you a professional coach? And if you're a professional coach, you're seeking out clinics, you're seeking out licensure. You're going, uh, you're going to go to the Monterey Clinic of Champions, the coaches clinic in Monterey every year. You know, if you're if you're a local coach, you're going to go to that. That's that's been gold for me and just expanding my technique. I am I am ten times the wrestler I was in high school just because I'm still learning technique. But after all that. The most important thing I could say to a young coach is check your ego. Your ego is gone. You don't need it anymore. If a kid wins or loses a match, it's on him. And that's nothing to do with you. You are there for that kid. You are not there for yourself anymore. You are a blank. You just got to be out of the picture. The less you say, the less. I've, I've always appreciated and admired the coaches that speak less than more. And but checking that ego is key. One, there's the checking your ego of like a competition, you know, with a referee, with an opposing coach, with what happens in the match. But there's also checking your ego with your kids. Um, when I first started uh, 
coaching. I was coaching and competing at the same time. And, uh, you know, it was fine. It was great. I was getting back into wrestling, so it was good. But I also had to worry about myself and so forth. So I'm like, when we went to the weight room, I got to do mine. I got to get mine. I got to get mine because I got to win. The next year I was injured and I was just the coach. And those kids were 20% better. Mainly because instead of me, okay, we're benching. I'm benching over here. I'm walking around watching them, checking form, keep them on task. In the wrestling room, instead of me being in my wrestling group, just going at it, I'm overseeing the groups, checking technique, keeping kids motivated. Really, and I remember saying, okay, I'm a coach now. I'm not a competitor anymore. I've done my thing. And my thing is what my thing was. And I don't, I, I don't like to talk about it because we kids a coach, were you state champ? Like, doesn't matter. You know, it's about you now. You know, it's you and what you did and what you, it's more about our growth together. Let's see how we how far we can get you. I know how far I went, you know, yeah, I did this. Let's see how far we can get you. How far do you want to get? And so I said, the, the simple thing, check your ego, you know, make it about your athletes. I noticed uh, whenever I first started coaching, there was a coach, I won't say, but uh, you know, they were just starting out coaching as well. And the hothead mentality never died. It screaming at the refs and screaming at the score sheet, people's uh, down talking as wrestlers. And I just, I said, well, I, I hope he takes this as a learning experience in the, for correction rather than how you're going to keep going about it. Because there's a certain point where your intensity is defeating the purpose. It's, it's not your job to be intense it's the wrestler's job and and seeing somebody else go through that actually taught me that same lesson is check your ego at the door this isn't about you anymore this is about it's totally not and do it by the way were you state champion i was not a state champ no okay i but, uh, i finished uh sixth nice in maryland mm -hmm. what, could have been better yeah, but as I always say, hey, 99.9% .9 of us don't finish our wrestling careers the way we want them to, you know? I, I mean, mean, unless you finished your last, last tournament with an odd medal, you finished with a loss, you know? Mm -hmm. it's, there can only be one state champion per weight class. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, you know, and so you have to, and that's when you embrace the journey. And that's why it's real important. If you, if you uh, focus everything on the wins and losses, you're really missing a lot. You know, I gained so many things from wrestling. That and I mean, I remember that weekend like yesterday, and it was one of the worst weekends of my life. But that's what it was. And after, but again, and soon it became pretty minuscule in the grand scheme of things, you know. Mm -hmm. But you know, Alex, um, when we're talking about advice to young coaches, I also say be very aware of the team culture because as a coach, and it's something like I, I, I've, I've learned as a coach of building that team culture. But if you disagree with it, it's not a successful situation. So the example I give, I've, I've always kind of coached it just, just like, hey, the high school you were supposed to attend, that's where you go. So when I moved to a town, I'd walk into the local wrestling room and want to help out. Like, this is where I would go. So I remember when I moved to Texas and I did this, that. I coached the middle school team and I made a friend. He said, hey, you want to come help out of my high school, my, my son's high school team? Sure. So I coach him with them. I'm getting back into them. We're going to tournaments and things. And I see the rival school is the, the jerk team, the chair-kicking team, the asshole team. Sorry, I'm sorry. But, but you know, the, the coach is throwing chairs and, and, and doing, um, you know, that kind of stuff. And so then 
I, I see this and I, I, you know, put it away. It's experience and I move on and I'm coaching elsewhere. And I'm real. And as I'm coaching here for a few years, I realized that, and I remember one time I'm at the tournament station starting and a ref said, oh man, you guys are going to be on my mat all day. The coach, the head coach was a very competitive head coach. He truly believed he was worth a couple points in the corner every time. I don't believe, I don't coach that way. I believe I, the prep works done in the room. But anyway, but so he was constantly in the refs here, constantly just combative and argumentative. I think it, it got to the point where I think refs kind of took it out of our kids a little bit. But really, I looked at that, I realized that, again, I was volunteering and, and helping out. I looked around and I realized, like, I don't want to be a part. I'm on the jerk team. I'm on the asshole team. I'm on the team and we show people like, oh, man, what kind of unsportsmanlike stuff are they going to pull now? And I did not want to be, represent myself with that program. So I didn't just up and quit or anything like that, but I did realize it was time for me to move on is what I did. So just being aware. So anytime you go to a job or something like that, don't lie to yourself about the culture and the philosophy of the program. Make sure you agree with it. Yeah. Because it's always a top-down effect, so it's it's a trickle-down effect. So your your culture is going to be what the head guy's culture is. So exactly. If, and if, make sure that if it's a hobby guy, a yeah. If it's a hobby guy, it's just going to be a hobby. If if you want to take it serious, then you'll have to find someone who who up top takes it serious. Yeah. Um, and that's that's the same thing with work or school or anything else. If if you don't agree with how you're being treated and all all of that, you just need to either one change the situation you're in, or two change the situation itself. So, no, uh, and that's a, that's the beauty of life is we can, we don't stick in any rut, you know. But it's be aware of the surroundings and, and just check, make sure you're you're building a good culture and you're growing into a good culture. And if you really, if you, if you're, if you see a bad culture and you have the ability to affect change, do it because it, you know that's how we build good people. You know? Even wrestlers are kind. You know what I was saying? Like, even when you're in that match and you're being a statistic you can, that's, that you still have mad respect for that opponent, you know, as you know. And, and it's because you know, they have the same courage you do to step uh, out there and go against you. That anybody can like talk crap to you and run away. It, anyone can talk trash and run away, but you're going to sit there, you're going to stare me eye to eye, and we're going to see what happens at the end of six minutes here. I mean, wrestling, football, kind of the same. You know what makes a good boxer? Someone that likes getting hit. You know what makes, makes a good football player? Not someone that can hit well. Someone that enjoys taking hits. Because you're like, yeah! You get, and some, I mean, I see some kids that they take a shot, and then you can see their eyes wake up like, that's awesome. And other kids just instantly fold. Like, this is nothing like I expected. Oh, crap. I don't want to be here anymore. You know? And, it's, yeah. and I, I see it every, every first year, first day. It's amazing to see how um, uh, kids jump out. Like, you remember Don Fawn, right? Mm-hmm. That kid had that strength. I don't know if you were there the day we did that boxing match, but he tore after that other kid that didn't make it because Nod just unleashed on that kid. And we did like a, I did like a, come try out the wrestling team. We had a little boxing night. I don't know if you remember, we were there for that. Wait, wait, was that was that whenever we watched Vision Quest and the overnight? Well, it was one of those like overnighters before we started the season. It was like I was trying to get, we did an overnighter with like, like almost like it was like a boys' night. 
to the gym and, and we did that we boxed and and not let the I was like, all right, put the gloves on and go. And I was after I'm like, man, someone's gonna get their bell rung hard. We're gonna get in trouble, so we better stop this. I remember yeah. whenever we did it, we, we had ours. We watched Vision Quest on the projector. Uh, then uh-huh. then we boxed. I mean, I boxed Michael Pham, Derek Calma, George and Zach Ross boxed. Uh, Alex Morphin put a hurting on Derek Calma. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know why he was boxing him. but And then later that night, I think it was Zach or Josh Hunt maybe, they went out and they put a dry ice in a water bottle. And then, boom, when we're all sleeping, you just hear the explosion. And all of a sudden, yeah. Coach Sugars wakes up. All right, everyone, push, push up position. Yeah. <laughs> well, see, the whole point of those overnighters was so we could get some extra sleep to go to a tournament. You know what I mean? So, I mean, one of the things I do now with the rest of us, we travel a lot. We do hotel rooms. We fundraise for the hotels, and we have to work our tails off, you know, and I make the marathon and things. But I've had teams I've traveled with, and I have teams I won't. And we travel because the way wrestling is now, you weigh in at 730 in the morning, you can be wrestling your metal matches 5, 6 o'clock at night. So I can't expect the kids to put on their best if we had to get up at 4 a.m. Yeah. But again, so so we leave the night before we go to the hotel or the rooms that we stay. That we're up. Those kids are. It's not a party at all. You know, and I've had teams where kids are packing video games and they're packing cards and other things. You know, and they, I'm not about to do back check. You kid tries to bring a bottle of booze. That's that's just uncalled for anyway. But the whole point is, is certain um, personnel, certain team personalities, they are there for the social side. And those social teams, and they want to go for the hotel. That's not why we're going. I mean, I mean, I made a kid cry once. Alex at a tournament from uh, we were, we go to Reno for the um, uh, Sierra Nevada Classic, big tournament, hundred team tournament, and oh. it's my holiday break. So we go to Reno. Literally, we're leaving the day after Christmas, pretty much, to go out here for this tournament. So there's a kid, and I'm it's between matches. I'm I'm up in the bleachers and I'm reading. And this is a kid. This is a kid in a classic jacket wearer. Um, means he was on the team, like the where the I'm a wrestler, but really didn't put any work in. So I overhear him saying, what do you mean you don't want to go to the circus? It's the best part of the wrestling trip. So I don't know if you know Reno Circus Circus, the casino where they have the, all the games. It's like freaking giant Chuck E. Cheese is what it is. So and I'm, like, I'm like, what'd you say? This kid like, did you just say Circus Circus is the best part of this trip? I got half a mind to take you out of the back and pay you myself. I'm sorry. You might have been pissed twice today. And one of those is my girl. Yeah, we never got to go to anything like that. That that would have yeah, been awesome. No, well, 
Uh, we didn't I have a big enough team. still figured it out, but again, if we're getting thumped and kicked at Scotts Valley, you know, and, and, and we want to go to Hollister and wrestle, wrestle instead, we're not ready for Reno. And, you know, but anyway, that's that. I remember, I remember all that. My favorite one was, uh, I think it was Mission San Jose. I, I did an out bracket match. I, I filled in for Zach at 1.30 because he wanted to go to a concert. Um, <laughs> and uh, it was an out bracket match, and I get headbutted right under the eye, right off, right off the whistle. And the guy puts me a head and arm right in my back within the first two seconds of the match. And I'm on my back just sitting there like, mad that I just got hit butted in the eye and so I said you know what no I'm not gonna let this guy win like this so I I, I scramble back to my belly stand up I have him a two-on-one behind and I just fold this kid in half and it was one of the refs that used I used to ref with for USA wrestling for freestyle and he told me after the match, I was this close away from disqualifying you. Not oh. to slam people like that. Well, you always you had a very aggressive physical style of wrestling, and it, it, trans, it probably transferred very well to the octagon. Oh you yeah, I mean, I'm sure. Definitely. I mean, because you you did you did. There was some times I was like, Ooh, but I was like, but it also it was like, it's what made you successful pretty early. Mm-hmm. You know, but it was, uh, I did I didn't cringe a few times. Oh, that's gonna okay, right? You know. Yeah. Um, I remember this bald man once told me, "If it don't hurt, it don't work." And I took uh, that. Oh to- yes, I remember that one. <laughs> me and George still talk to this day about how people just still can't throw a good crossface. Uh, Use that cutter bone. Get in there. Get that bridge of the nose. Get uh, a little dirty with it. Well, there Not you go. There's how I've grown. I. Uh, that's the first move I teach these kids now, the crossface cradle. That's, yeah. the first penny That's the first penny comedy. Because I've, as, I, as I've grown as a coach, it's a, uh, it's a, I've learned, I've got some good steps for them to learn it. They learn it well. And I think about my own wrestling and the, time, the times I did get pinned, a lot of those were a cradle. More than anything else, it's a cradle. And it, it's a move that I've taken a kid that doesn't know much. If they can run a good crossface cradle, they're always dangerous. Yeah. You know? To the fact that you know, it's kind of we call it the Carmel Cradle now. It's, nice. it's our move. People, people have to practice. They have to practice countering it before they wrestle us, or they will get caught. You know, it's 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 good solid move. Yeah. yeah um, the um, uh, what's his name? Uh, the crossface cradle. So, what what was your favorite pin as a wrestler? What what was your go to? Um, what what did you love? It changes. It cha- well, when I was in high school, I ran halves and bars a lot. You know, I pretty much would, I would, I would come in, like you see like a spiral ride. I would mm-hmm. run there a lot. And I would just, I, I was real, I was a real active wrestler. As I look back now that probably what made me successful as a wrestler was my gas tank that I, I realized that I wrestled at the same tempo in the third period as I did in the first period. And kids didn't keep up. And so things that didn't work. So things like halves, and I'm just, was just constantly pounding. If I, I would have improved, I would have gotten better at tilts. But, like, I'd run a half in a bar or a bar and, like, a turkey bar. I liked a lot of, I liked a lot of those. Those were my comments. Head and lever was a big pin for me. Yeah, um, the I caught that. But seemed like a lot of my falls, I would collect a half. You know, mm-hmm. collect a half and a scramble. Catch that head and fold up a half, you know, in the scramble. Um, so, yeah, that, but now as a coach, 
I like the crossface series, you know, like a crossface, um, crossface to a cradle, crossface pump to a turk, like pump handle tump, like step in a turk. That's the stuff I'm, I'm teaching now. And as I wrestle, those are the pins I tend to fall into now more than anything. You know, I, I've been cradling a lot more. I, I like, I like reaching for the near cradle. You like that near cradle a lot. Um, yeah, my, you know, my bow and arrow cradles, uh, crush cradle, uh, backbridge cradle. That's where I got most of mine mm -hmm. from. Yeah, I mean, but it, it's funny. Like I look back, man. Like as I said, man, if I don't know this technique now, I mean, I've forgotten more technique that I, I know more technique than I've forgotten. But <laughs> it's amazing how it's just changed. And it, like I've a, a, it's, and then you keep evolving. And it's, I've been doing it long enough now that it's funny to watch styles and moves come back around, like come in cycles. Like now halves are coming back. And for a long time, it was like two on one tilt was everything. You know, the, the Trella series was everything. Um, you know, and then, uh, you know, now we're like, they're running more, like the spirals were coming back now. But it's interesting to see how, uh, you know, technique evolves. It's like it never, it's people are like, what's that new move? Like, it's not new move, it just come back. You know, and <laughs> when I first started coming in, in California, the two on one tilt was everything. Guys were hitting it stately everywhere. And I remember watching it, but the next year wasn't because everybody learned how to fight it. Nobody gave up their wrist anymore. Because if someone got a wrist on top, they were going to tilt you. You know, so no one gave it up. Mm. And uh, if they could, you know, anybody may be like, yeah, yeah, because you know what's coming next. So, but yeah, so that's, uh, you know, and then, you know, that's uh, pretty much where I'm I've been on my feet. I like to work two on one still. I love the two on one series on my feet. Um, mm -hmm. I believe, again, I always say, like, if a kid's a better, like I said, I'm under the philosophy that most of the kids I'm coaching are new to wrestling. And I also got to teach them some fundamental style and things that will also work against better wrestlers. So if they've got a solid two-on-one on their feet, their opponent can't work their offense until they clear that two-on-one. Yeah. And so you get established that grip, then it opens up some offense for you. So yeah. I don't care if the kid, slick's kid. Now, a good slick kid's going to know how to get out of your two-on-one or be able to get out of your two-on-one. Um, but if, you, if he's worried about it, you can slow him down and maybe you know, open some other doors for and options for you. Yeah, um, so, so yeah, that's, that's, circle circle around, grab that elbow. You just drop to a low single. I mean, it just opens up all your other trees that you forget mm -hmm. about. Like you said, all yeah. your tools are there. It's just you got to know when to use the right tool at the right time. You know, and I believe like a young coach, and I, what I'm. That's why I, I've also learned this that like I'm really strategic about the first move I will teach a kid because the first move I teach them is the move they learn the best. And is the, if they only have one path, it's they're going to go, go for it. So that's why, like, I teach the cross-face cradle, like, literally, the second day of practice, I teach them ankle pick, breakdown, come across cross-face, walk through it, finish it up. And, and then I teach them pump handle because that's what they do on top, cross-face pump handle. And they're just constantly fortunate they're finding that cradle. Um, I've learned, like, if I teach it too complicated, like, um, oh, you guys. The first move I taught you was the corkscrew or the yeah. barbed wire. Yeah, Do you remember that? So this is one of the first lessons I learned as a coach. So here's what happened. You all learned the barbed wire first. So you all kept doing it to each other all the time in practice. And then after I look, so what happened was I was reviewing my injuries. And I was, I was like looking like, why do I have so many kids with hurt shoulders? What's going, what are we doing wrong? And this is reflection. And this is what you have to do as a coach. And I'm like, what is going on that I have all these similar in it? And I realized what it was. It's because you all learned the corkscrew first that you just kept every time we went live, 
you were constantly putting pressure on each other's shoulders all the time. You know, and actually I found, I, and so I like the course group, but I like teaching the cradle first because you're going to pin more kids with a cradle than a corkscrew. And so then they run that cradle and it, they fight. Guess what happens when they fight the cradle? They fall right into that barbed wire corkscrew. So I, I use the two side by side. And then you just, uh, yeah, they, they'll, they'll fight the cradle and turn into you and then get rolled with a, with a uh, corkscrew. So, yeah, so that's a lesson I learned. Like, oh, that's why I had to change the first move I taught. Because yeah. you guys were beating each other up. And kids would just be out there rinking on a shoulder, you know? Yeah, and when you do it wrong, that's usually whenever someone gets hurt. And it's when mm -hmm. you're first learning, everyone's doing it wrong. And then you just... Yeah, and then tweaking wrong. And, you know, like a half Nelson, like a wrist and half. A tough... It's really hard to turn a tough kid with a wrist and half. But if you get a cross-face cradle locked up on a tough kid, you can stick him. You know, you can stick him. I... Uh, I had a kid, so his junior year, his, he didn't wrestle senior year because uh, whatever. But anyway, his junior year, he had 29 pins on the season last year. 29 pins, and uh, I think he only, he, I think he won 20, I think he won 30 matches. Nice. Like every win was Five with a pin. One with and pin. This, what's that? So every single one was basically a pin. It was a cradle pin. He, and the funny part about this kid, this kid would, there was many matches where we would be outclassed. You know, he, he could have placed his senior year in CCS, but he chose the pole vault and focus on pole vaulting. Um, but he would get outclassed in matches like tech fall type takedowns. But we would, and he had a really vicious grip and a really strong cross face. We would choose top and he'd be, and we'd stick kids because he would fold them up in a cradle and pin them before they knew what happened. Oh. You know, and he, it was amazing. I mean, but he was, that's kind of like when you're three, four year wrestler, it's almost better really buy in and invest in one move and learn it well. And there were very few kids that could stop his cradle, yeah. you know, and, but and it's funny, kids learned, they never gave him that wrist again. Cause if he got yeah. that cross face started on top, he was probably going to lock up that cradle and stick you. And, know, and that's the kids he lost to were the kids he couldn't cradle, you know, but he could cradle a lot of kids. <laughs> If I was going to wrestle that kid again, I'd go hide my wrist underneath daddy's gun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, yeah, you, you would, uh, that's, that's a good point. Yeah, that's what you have to do. Um, and that's what I yeah, did. You find your mm -hmm. strengths, and then you mm -hmm. turn your strengths against them. So mine was Greco. Mine was – I was a lot bigger and stronger than all the other 12-pounders because I was more aggressive. They, they were more of the uh, smaller kids that only did – wrestling because it had weight classes unlike other sports where there was none six foot uh -huh. five or five one you know it didn't matter you're on the same team doing the same position so well and, see that's a you like that you were comfortable in that upper body position and uh, i remember I, like when i wrestled with guys like you i didn't want to be there at all yeah i um, i understood leverage very well and these little uh, T-Rex arms gave me a good grip to pinch down on the lat. So George, to this day, still hates my Greco. He, he <laughs> hey, Alex, can you kit. excuse me for a minute? Yeah, uh, actually, we're getting ready to uh, to end this. Um, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah I, gotta, I had to hit the head. So, yeah, let's go ahead and wrap it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, any final comments? Any any last It's advice? good to talk to you, buddy. Glad you're doing well. And, uh, you know, hope this takes off for you. Oh, me too. You know what people are calling me? What are uh, they calling baby, you? Baby Joe Rogan. 
Baby Joe Rogan, nice. Because <laughs> I, I, I was a cage fighter, I, I ref, commentated, coach. The only thing I'm missing is fear factor and stand up comedy. <laughs> nice. There you go. He's so a tell cat. That's a good compliment. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, read a lot. Oh, it's awesome to have you on for the first one here, getting the ball rolling. Like, you know, we have our sports news and all that good stuff. But mm-hmm. the reason why I started this whole podcast was because I wanted to interview people like yourself and other athletes and coaches, officials, and all people inside of the business of mm-hmm. sports industry. Uh, just because of these kind of stories and these life lessons that people can live vicariously through if they miss their time. Mm-hmm. So I want to thank you for coming on and being the first guest of Alex. Thank you very much, Alex. Well, you were one of my very first wrestlers, so that's quite the honor you got there, too. Yeah. Hey, tw- 12 years ago, who would have saw this coming full circle? Huh? Yeah, the Scott brothers, man. They were the first, pretty much the first kids I know at Seaside Wrestling. It still got the newspaper article with us in it, so. <laughs> oh, awesome. Good. You know, those those memories will carry with you, and, and the lessons will carry even longer. Oh, and the lessons have gotten me to this point, and they'll get me a lot further as soon as I learn more. <laughs> That's good stuff, buddy. Well, good luck in school, man. Good luck. Oh, I appreciate everything you've done for me, and I appreciate you coming on. And uh, thank you. You're, you're very welcome, Alex. Yeah, I'll all talk right. to you real soon, all right? All right. You have yourself a good night. All right. Take care, buddy. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you.